My name is Ignacio Salazar. I am the CEO and the MD of Highfield Resources. Uh, Highfield Resources is a company trading in ASX. We have a project in Spain called Muga in the north of Spain. And we are about to start, we are starting already uh, construction. So we are moving ahead uh, very much uh, with this project. The aim is to produce half a million to one million in the second phase tons of MOP and potash and a very, very important project in the current circumstances in the south of Europe, in the current uh, geopolitical situation and the need for potash and fertilizers in general in Europe and globally. Fantastic, uh, Ignacio, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. I think we, we, we spoke to this company back at the end of 2019, a long time ago, and obviously things have moved on significantly, not least of all, you, you joined in the middle of uh, 2020. Um, so look, um, I think it'd be worthwhile people just understanding some of the definitions and terminology, because I think it's very easy for retail investors to confuse and conflate words such as fertilizer and potash and MOP and SOP, and it, it gets a little bit confusing. So can you, can you break it down for us, um, if you don't mind? Absolutely. So fertilizers are, are, are key. I mean, that is uh, half of the agriculture uh, production is, is thanks to fertilizers. When we talk about fertilizers, mineral fertilizers, we are talking about the famous MPK, nitrate, phosphate, and potash, uh, K is potash, by the way, not, not the P. And basically, um, these are the, the, well, the elements which generate uh, healthier, stronger, and at the end of the day, more productive crops and uh, generate uh, a lot more yield in, in, every, in every land where you are producing. So a lot is, you are absolutely right, is tends to be some confusion about the MOP and the SOP products when you talk about potas, if nothing else, because Australian, uh, Australia has had more SOP projects, rather MOP is a bit of an exception in this case. The MOP market is a lot bigger, it's 10 times as bigger as SOP. And I, I must say our, pro our project is an MOP uh, project. And uh, basically the dynamics between demand and supply of, of both projects recently have been very strong, but MOP have become stronger. MOP muriate of potash is more designed is 70 million tons globally of production compared to seven in the case of SOP. And the, the object, the, the, the demand and the, what is servicing is the normal crops um, that, uh, that, that can work with, with MOP. I mean, in the case, SOP is, is more exceptional, is, it is trading at a premium because it's, it's um, supplying the, the crops where you need, uh, you, you cannot use MOP. Uh, and basically it's more uh, strawberries, it's, it's, it's a bit more special uh, crops. So that's why it's a smaller, it has a lower content of potash, but at the end of the day is simply uh, those type of uh, agriculture is not suitable to MOP. So very different products. And in our case with MOP, is, um, it, is, it is one of the few projects that is going ahead in our case. Okay, so I, I need to understand the thesis for investing into this space, okay? Because I, um, I think myself and, you know, I imagine a lot of people watching this will be, it, it, it's, it's not something that they will have typically invested into. It's very, it kind of feels very niche, very specialist, right? Um, so geopolitics must be a big part of this. You know, it, it kind of felt like a few years ago, there was a kind of cabal of 
countries, whether it be, um, uh, you know, Russia, obviously um, a, a big part of that, you know, some of these Eastern European countries produce, uh, being big producers and big, um, uh, a big part of the market. And you've kind of got bigger mines like the, the, the Janssen mine with BHP, et cetera. You seem to be very few players controlling the market, controlling prices, controlling distribution. Ha, what's what's changed? Because um, obviously recent events in Russia, Ukraine, are perhaps obviously you know in, in the near term, have, have ch- may have changed the geopolitics and dynamics and and security of supply and and um, the, the way that the, the the these these this material flows at the moment will have changed. But generally, is is the market growing or is it fairly is it flat? I mean, what what are we looking at? Yeah, no, I mean, let, let me, uh, things have changed. Let me say what has not really changed is that at the end of the day, fertilizers, you, you, what we are trying to do globally is to produce more food with less arable land. And what is really happening is that the population, as we know, is only growing and the land, arable land is only decreasing. And the only way that you can make that equation work is because you are putting more and more fertilizers. So there is very strong case, very strong fundamentals. And that is obviously the main crops we are talking about, MOP here and and potas as other fertilizers. So those fundamentals are there. And I mean, it's difficult to see any other trend, but that being sustainable in the long term, as far as population grows and arable land decreases. No, in what is really happening in this? Uh, you are, I think you're right. I think it's a lot more and more uh, understanding and knowledge uh, uh, to some extent because VHP as well has started uh, is, is working on this project, Janssen. But but in any case, um, in 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 potash, uh, very much. Uh, is, is a relatively small is a small number of players uh, that uh, are here. There are three countries which are the main producers. The first one is Canada, the second one is Russia, and the third one is Belarus. So I mean, and then after that, you you really go a lot a lot lower in terms of how important it is in the market. So as you can imagine, Belarus and Russia. Now that we talk about things that are are covering. 40% of the global production between the two of them. So Belarus already been suffering or under sanctions from the European Union and the US even well before the, the war in Ukraine. I mean, that was more related. You may recall that journalist, a Ryanair flight that was going from one European to another European country and was well, was put down, put down in the sense of us to land in Belarus and the journalist was put to jail. No? So as a result of that, the, the sanctions have been in place already for a while and the, the sanctions start to be in place in Russia. So 40% of the global production comes from these two countries. In the case of Europe, um, half or, or well, if you look at the depending the years or even more uh, of the consumption of MOP in Europe is was used to be coming from Russia and Belarus. So I think um, Europe is becoming a lot more aware of the need to have security supply of gas, uh, food and fertilizers. I mean, the dependency in the case of potash is even bigger than the dependency on gas. That is probably the one that has been discussed more. And that is where, of course, a project in Europe, and, and well, the, the, the only one at this stage to be able to be put in place and running and operating quickly uh, is so, so becoming so strategic. Uh, our location in Muga was always um, a key differentiator 
because we are closer to the market. Most of that Europe, even we are better positioned than anybody else to access the Brazilian market. If we try to be well, be manage the seasons between southern and northern hemisphere, Brazil is also a very important market. But especially with Europe, our project obviously uh, is is very uh, has a, a big strength. Yeah, and uh, and now with the current situation, Russia and Belarus and the need for Europe to look for other alternatives is becoming very, very strategic. It, it is. Because um, when we, when, again, when we've talked in the past, and I think you still talk about some of your literature, obviously Brazil is a very big and, a, and important market. It also um, exporting to Africa as well. Do recent events change your, your thinking in terms of, um, you know, where, where you sell into? Because Europe, yeah, as you just pointed out quite quite well, um, concerns over Belarus and, and Russian supply and, and, the, and the sanctions that, that that are being imposed there is Europe the more obvious? Is it the, is it the smarter play here, or are yeah. you concerned about the sustain sustainability of that? You know, because the, the Russia situation may f fall away, the Belarus situation may fall away, and then you've kind of got an oversupply into this market because you'd need to secure long term contracts into this market because um you know there's there's a kind of mineral and metals um critical mineral lists you know all over the world at the at the moment you're in spain you're next door it would seem logical uh, are you working on that at the moment are you having conversations about that at the moment yeah absolutely so a very much i mean they, this was the biggest uh, there are a few key elements of this is a relatively small project in the big scheme of projects in the globally but uh, there is a huge three uh, key advantages we like to say one is about the infrastructure we have in place and the other one is that we have very very um, the, the, the mineralization is very close to surface, so we don't need to build a shaft. We really access mineralization with a couple of ramps. And the three, the third, probably the most important one, has always been the location. I mean, as, as I said, the, the main um, competition, the main producers are in the middle of Canada, the middle of Russia, and Belarus. So they need to access Europe. Well, in the case of Canada, they need to go to Vancouver through the Panama Channel, even to access Brazil or, or Europe. And exactly the same in the case of Russia, they have to cross uh, half of Russia to get to the port in the north of Russia, to come to the Rotterdam, to split the cargo in a smaller um, in a smaller cargos and, and keep going. For a high volume commodity like potash, we are talking about uh, a, a commodity that is moving a lot of volume, transportation and logistics and access to the markets is key. And by the way, in the case of potash and the case of fertilizers, it's very important to have the customer service and to have the, the product at the time, the season, the, the, the work in the farm requires you to, to do that. So to be flexible as, as the same time to be close makes a big, big difference. No? The, I think from the beginning was always in our mind, the plan to, uh, supply 75% of our production to Europe. So obviously, always that was the case where we have the competitive advantage. And in our mind, again, uh, the 25% to Brazil was more about taking advantage of seasonality. Now, um, I mean, Brazil is, uh, Europe alone is 7 million 
tons of, of potash, of which three, three and a bit were, were coming from Russia and Belarus, we will be producing one million. So it's one third of that gap that we'll be covering. But in any case, even if Russia or Belarus would be in full production, we have a, an advantage uh, logistically. And in the case of, of Brazil, it's as well eight or nine million. I mean, these are almost each of them is like the global SOP market we were talking about before. No? So we are a relatively small player in the big scheme, but this location makes the huge difference. It's only the point that this current situation is making Europe a lot more aware. And I come to that point of that element of security of supply, let alone economics and the fact that we will be more or less profitable. And that um, coming back to part of your question, that is helping us. We are in the process now of finalizing uh, financing and uh, working with, with the banks. And as well, we are been running for a while, several months, a, pro a process with the strategic investors that we are now forcing it to crystallize, to, to, to say, because, well, first of all, we are moving ahead with the project, so, so we need to make a decision soon, but also because we see a extremely positive environment where people and, and distributors of potas and, and big players used to be supplied by Russia and Belarus, and they need a different, a different equation, no? Well, let, let's let's talk about the, the the kind of economics and markets and and, and pricing um, because uh, Europe okay seventy five percent of your product in, into Europe which is which is great. Um, I'd love to understand the kind of distribution and and and, and sales mechanisms um, there. Um, but you mentioned something which is obviously a, a more important at the moment. Okay, the the economics of the project okay MPV eight of like one point nine billion and forty two percent IR. I mean that that's really really good. Um, do you need, I've seen some conversations about MOUs, but do you need to have contracts in place to be able to kind of get, whether it be the strategic partner in place or bank finance in place for the debt component? Or, I mean, how, how have you kind of constructed the, the, the finances around moving into this kind of build phase of yours? Okay, you, you touch, touch on, on a couple of points that are, I think, very separate. One is the economics and the other one, the financing. On the economic side, and, and uh, as you say, it's, it's $2 billion at the prices. When we put that feasibility study that was at the end of last year, at the prices at that time, it was... Three billion at the prices today probably is three and a half, four billion. So it's very sensitive to the prices, not meaning that those prices are sustainable, but just to give an indication of, of how sensitive it is to that. Now, I like uh, one, one element that probably helps a lot because I was making the point about transportation cost before, but also maybe I'd like to highlight something. The European prices, and this is because the way the market works, have been trading for years, and we can only see that going forward at a premium to global prices, to the Vancouver prices, no? because at the end of the day, the, the price setter here are the Canadian producers. And this premium is 50 to $100 per ton, traditionally. Traditionally, that price, when we were talking about prices of 300, 400 in the past, now European prices maybe uh, 1,000 or more, no? But talking about long-term prices, three, 400. So bear in mind 50 to 100 is a premium, and that premium is related to the transportation cost difference. Our operating costs are 80. Um, so, I mean, it is extremely significant, the advantage that you have 
in terms of transportation and the fact that you are in the middle, I mean, rather than to be on the other side of the world, you are in the middle of the market here in Europe. Talking about economics, aside from the numbers that are already in the pre-release or in the feasibility study, uh, probably to, to make that point. Uh, and, and then the other points I, I referred to before, that the fact that we don't build a shaft, that we don't need to build a port or, or rail tracks or motorways, because we have that in the north of Spain already as part of all the development here. But talking about the financing um, as well, the... Um, We've made a lot of progress. It's been a very long process, as you can imagine, in terms of due diligence with the banks. And we announced recently 312 million, uh, a term sheet of 312 million, plus, uh, well, yesterday, uh, a deal with Mac another term sheet with Macquarie about mining equipment of another 23. So we are getting about 335, 340 million already in terms of debt. Our initial capex is 400. There will be obviously the need for more, uh, a bit more when you add uh, working capital and, and payment of interest and things like that. But it's a big chunk of, of that is already well advanced with the banks and we are making progress to finalize the process with them. Uh, that is exactly why, uh, as part of our, we are trying to move all the, as, as you can imagine, everything in parallel. This process of the strategic investor, I think we've been lucky that the current situation is, is helping a lot, but this is the moment where we need to crystallize that because I mean, obviously the interest is there. So if we can get a partner, which I think it will add not only from, from an equity or from a capital injection perspective, but also can add from uh, as a customer, as an off-taker, et cetera, I think that would make uh, things a lot more attractive uh, from, from an investor perspective. So that is going very well. You never know till you end uh, and you finalize the process and, and whatever it is, if it's anything else, we can always access the markets, which I, I think are, are, are markets are always up and down, but uh, in the case of our project, we've received uh, a lot of interest as well. Right, okay, so, okay, so, so looking at uh, contracts, um, getting your finance, oh, yeah, because that because 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 yeah, con contracts are really important to me because it, yeah. it kind of helps um, helps you today with your financing yeah. and the cost of capital, which is a big big part of um, you know um, the, the your economics. And I'm, what I'm sort of intrigued by is whatever contracts you have in place today to kind of get the economics in place is one yeah. thing. The second component is during the construction phase, which is a 24 month type process. Can you, if with the addition of additional contracts, refinance out your your finance package during that phase, or would you wait till you've actually constructed? Uh, well, the contract. Let me say, and, and maybe that tells you how confident we are about the market insight in this project. That, that I didn't, I didn't catch uh, that that part of your question. Uh, so, as I said, the strongest point in this project is the market insight and the fact that we have access to the market. So, in a lot of, well, most of these products, it, that is a big question: who are you going to sell to, and how you can do it, and can you uh, sort of take away risk here? I mean, in our case, we've taken a completely different approach because we saw the as an asset rather than something to be managed. And I think we've been right doing so. I, I tell you what has been happening, but because these strategic investor discussions typically, I mean, once every strategic investor is different, no? But very strategic, this strategic is about an off-taker that puts equity or puts a, an injection in the company. So the fact, the contracts we have more than what we need of non-binding, 
MOUs, uh, but the fact that they are non-binding MOUs is something the company has been done on purpose because we see that uh, a value by uh, getting binding uh, agreements with people or uh, strategic investors that also uh, would participate as partners in the project. So we are in our strategic investor discussion. It is, a, I mean, it's obviously a lot more, but to simplify off taker plus equity or some sort of injection. So we are not looking at off taker because we cannot, we know we can always do that. Now, what the, the, we've done, in fact, the absolute minimum uh, to keep this optionality for us, and the absolute minimum has been driven by the request from the banks as part of the project finance exercise. And what they said is, well, keep the, get these uh, non-binding contracts, which we can get, no problem. And we should get, by the time that we are going to draw down the money, we should have 70% or, or whatever of the production already contracted in a binding contract. Ah, okay, well, that, that's the interesting bit to me, because I'm sort of thinking, hang on, why, why at your election would you choose to have non-binding? Because the banks surely would want you to have some degree of certainty. Of course, you can go and sell in the spot market, you know, um, and, and, and hope that that goes well, you know, and there's enough examples in the past where that hasn't gone well. But there, so the banks will be conscious of that and say, I need some certainty. So you're saying that at some point before, before, uh, well, what is the point at which they say you must have 70% binding contracts in place? All the all the discussions that have gone around this where uh, uh, we will need to have the final agreement, eh? but all the discussions tend to be that you need to have 70% or whatever is the number at the time of first drawdown of the money from the banks. But whatever it is, we, we don't have a final decision, but this we know that we have time. Why for us as a company is a big advantage because it's something that we can offer now the strategic investors and we are offering value because of and if these days more than ever from the point of view of security of supply in Europe, we were talking about. But uh, and, for, and the banks, uh, as you say, they, they, they like uh, this risk, but they realize that the project doesn't have an issue. In, uh, on the, they also know the, the project has a, a an advantage, a huge uh, advantage. So they are happy to allow this to go until that point. Huge advantage being, being, being what? Being, being what, Ignacio? That, because that, that you're a small player, right? And in, in, a, in a land of giants. So there's always risk. So why do you say that? Well, that you have now um, clients of us, big, big clients who have 80, 90, 100% of their uh, potash coming from Russia and Belarus today. And, and they say, oops, um, maybe they, they don't receive it anymore because um, really the sanctions uh, simply not, they don't allow them to do it or they, they are not so comfortable going forward in any case. So they don't have any, any, anything else to look at. The only project, I mean, just to create a project like this takes 10, 15 years. So the only project that is there about to start in Europe is this one. So there is obviously, if they can guarantee, I mean, we are talking for the first phase, half a million. As I said, the gap of uh, Russian Belarus is three, three and a half million. Uh, so if they can guarantee 100, 200, 300, I mean, it's going to be, you can imagine a lot of interest. And, um, and I think we were uh, lucky, clever enough 
to uh, to leave this door open and um, and now to to take uh, value and, and share value with a partner going forward. Right, and and so he, and he then that'll be a strategic partner. So is that strategic partner is that are they just money? Are they distribution? Are they offtake? I mean, what, what are you looking at? The typical because again. Strategic partners, as you know, everyone is uh, completely different and might be the, the sort of a st- the standard uh, profile, no, is off-taker plus money. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, off-taker, and again, in terms of that, you talked about earlier about uh, optionality for yourself um, or discretion for yourself. It's like you would want that strategic partner not to be overwhelming you. You want there to be enough left on the table so that you... you yeah, it's just in terms of risk management, right? Risk mitigation. You don't want this offer to come and say, we'll have 70% of your company, right? So yeah. again, talk to me about the, the profile that you're looking for. No, no. Uh, as I everyone is different and, and depending on, on every partner, you might have a different approach. No, of course, you you, you sort of tailor your your, your um, approach to, to the specific partner. But basically the standard one is, of course, that you you share part of the production. And if you have the luxury, and to some extent we have, that the market supports you, that you might have several strategic, several of takers interested on this, a potentially other type of, then yeah, you are absolutely right. You prefer to, to share that between a, a bigger group because you are not so concentrated on, on any anybody in particular no so you are also keeping a bit of of uh, spreading your risk and, and keeping all your a, a bigger um, a, a bigger group of people to work with yeah absolutely and I think the interest of the project and the current situation both from the geopolitical and the need for potas supplied from a, a source in Europe plus uh, the the potential of the project economically, so the interest from purely uh, institutional investors is there to allow us to to get the best for the company. Right, and and if I, if I look at twenty twenty two, I mean, if I look at the pre- previous five years, it's been fairly fairly flat market uh, in terms of pricing. Obviously, seen this kind of res- resurgence in the last sort of. 12, 18, 18 months in terms of pricing. Um, likewise, your your stock has done well in 2022. Um, and you've kind of got this 30-year plus uh, life of life of mine in what's at the moment kind of feels like an increasing price environment. But um, I, I want I, I want to in the, that context, I want to understand your strategy because when people talk about strategic investors, it's usually a sign for actually we'd like to be taken out, we're done here. But with a 30-year life of mine and an environment like that, is there more benefit to your shareholders, to you, or say maintaining control um, and continuing to kind of grow this project and you know and and, and beyond than handing over the reins to someone else to kind of you know take control? I mean, what's the board thinking? No, we are talking about strategic partners. We are not thinking about somebody taking over. We are talking about a partner to help us to get to production. And very much we see, I mean, that is, uh, that I can reply black and white. We see a clear, a clear uh, value for the company to get this project into production. I think there's no doubt in our mind that after what we've gone through and now with the environmental permit, the mining concession, we get the first construction license is another one to come. And 
building the mine and getting the mine into, into production is going to add a lot of value because we see, by the way, I mean, the share price has been doing quite well in the last uh, couple of years, but we see a big gap still with the potential, uh, with the MPV of, of, of the project uh, and, and the potential this project has. So we are convinced it's a lot of value. Now, as, as we already, we, we, I want to we want to keep very much focus on what we are doing because it's a, it's a very clear plan ahead of us to build the mine and do first phase. But as you see, we have second phase, which with half of the capex, we double production. So that is something the company and potentially something that you can do without with the money and the revenue, the cash you generate during the first with the first phase production. And by the way, we have other projects around the basin. This is this is an area this project we are in in, in between Navarra and Aragon, close to where we are, we are here in Pamplona, no? close to the south is an old, a couple of old uh, former mines. And in, in the other side of the basin in Catalonia, there are other potash mines that have been producing for 1800 years. No? So there is plenty of potential in the basin to, to become bigger as we go along. Okay. Okay. And well, and so we've gone local, so let's, let's stick with that. So um, Spain has kind of got a checkered um, history in terms of um, supporting mining in country. Um, you know, and I think that's I think that's fair to say. Um, lo local opposition um, not getting support at once from local government um, uh, or, or even national government in some cases. Now you're in the space of you know. Potash broadly again, wrong wrong label, but this way people view it. Fertilizer, it's a kind of it's a green product, and there's an underground mine with a kind of small surface footprint. Is is that helping you get the support, get get all of these licenses and permits that you've you've, you've got in place? I mean, what what are the, what are the kind of factors that you've had to overcome here? Have there been sort of social license issues? I think we found. I mean, we've been around for the last couple of years. We really have done. A lot of work uh, there, so no, no, no way to go around that. And uh, I come from Bilbao, so it's very close to to Pamplona, so I know very well the area, and I've been heavily involved as as many others here in the team, of course. So there is a lot of work at the end of the day. Um, we, I, I even think, I mean, potash, my, it, it has to help. Um, I mean, but sometimes is you, you know people tend to put everything in the same basket, but obviously potash helps. And uh, I think, as well as to some extent, everybody is aware of the current geopolitical situation, um, and that helps. I, I must say, at the, the high level, I, I have no doubt the full support for this project is there. But still, you know, you need to go through the through the different ups and downs in the administrative process, and you need to manage that extremely carefully. So the project. I mean, when you look this objective, of course, I, 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 I think I can say this objectively, despite being the CEO of a company, but when you look at the amount of wealth, employment, uh, working in the population areas, I mean, this geopolitical angle, I mean, the, the value that we add in a, in a product that is... Uh, fighting against hunger in the world, or uh, just if nothing else. I mean, it is difficult to, to go against it. We have had a lot massive support from everybody. It's very small. You can always have one or two people uh, that uh, doesn't like it as a matter of principle. But I think uh, we, we have put a lot of work and have managed a lot of support. We got this um, license from uh, 
one of the two towns. I mean, it's a small town, 40 people. So that is amazing. And I think it's a, um, it, it, it underlines uh, all the work and all the support that we have from the community, apart from many other uh, signs of support that administrations are also uh, putting for the project. No, but we keep we keep working on that. It's still the other license to come, and uh, now that we start production uh, construction, uh, I, we, I think uh, is even more. Uh, this sentiment is is growing bigger and bigger as we go ahead, and we are uh, we are making progress with the project. Interesting. Okay, because I think it's, always, it's easy for companies to kind of point to the uh, socioeconomic benefits to, to the region, but if the, if there's um, any kind of controversy or any kind of objections locally, th those things need to be handled um, sensitively um, for sure. And obviously ESG is such a big topic at the moment uh, globally. Um, just, do you think that kind of ESG com component will allow you to, uh, I know you're charging a, there's a European premium, but do you think that that, given the nature of what you're doing, do you think there's there's a there's a sustainability to the pricing that you're going to be able to get? Because obviously the last 18 months have seen prices, you know, rocket. I'm interested in what the next five year looks like, the next 10 years looks like um, in terms of um, the, the economics, not just for your project, but broadly for the sector. I, I think I mean, we are going to have a premium to our, our uh, potash, uh, no doubt. Uh, but it's, if nothing else is the global economics, the fact that we are closer to the market and uh, the European premium we've seen for uh, always uh, is, is going to continue. And, um, and also as well, we are going to have the capacity to service customers in uh, with a lot more flexibility, speed, and, and we will be a lot more agile than any alternative. So that will allow, I mean, automatically uh, for, uh, for, um, for a premium in the prices that we are charging. I mean, to some extent, even what we are putting in our feasibility studies, uh, I think probably doesn't reflect all of this because if we are, we will have, 40% of our production, we could sell it around the, the mine. Uh, I mean, by track or by, uh, and that, let alone the how effective it is and how much you save is again, the ability that you have to provide that, uh, that product at the time the farmer and the, the distributors need it and, and not earlier or before. And that the people are ready to pay uh, an extra for that, absolutely no doubt. In the case of ESG, it's helping us already. I mean, the, I think we made a lot of progress with the banks and the project finance. I mean, and one of the, I mean, as, as, you, as you know, is four banks running this syndicate is BNP Paribas, Socgen, ING, um, and Natixix. And basically, um, I mean, these banks see a, a big plus from the point of view that this is a European project and all the geopolitical situation, but obviously the ESG credentials of this project. In our case, and it's a lot to talk about, but if not, I, I think it's a very key element that is a, a, a huge differentiator. This mine will be leaving no residue, no mineral residues on surface. You have these days in Europe, the current mines in Europe are building a, a, a white mountain of salts as, as they go along and they will remediate, of course. In our case, we will, part of that, a small part will be upgraded and be sold as salts and the biggest part will be backfilled into the mine. And that's part of the environmental permit and the mining concession, and that is a huge, differentiator of this project that uh, nobody else uh, has done. No? Okay, and, and I just want one last sort of 
area or topic of conversation for me um, with this is, and again, it kind of relates to the ESG component in, in a way, but more, more the economics is, is the simplicity of the money. It's, it's underground. But in terms of technical risk, is is there much? It's because it, it, obviously with the different minerals comes different sorts of challenges in terms of whether you're chasing veins or the metallurgy in terms of extracting. But for for what you're after, is this relatively simple mining? It is very simple mining and very simple processing. And and again, sometimes maybe people come with the concept of SOP projects that have some innovation and some difficulty or different ways. This is a very standard room and pillar. A method that we will be underground, but room and pillar. We are not chasing vein. It's a very broad band of uh, of, of mining. Uh, obviously, you are underground. You have to be working uh, with with uh, care and, and uh, professional. But compared to other projects, this is a very standard. We don't have very standard methods. We don't have a shaft that adds a, a significant complexity to the to the handling of the product. We will be accessing the mineral a couple of ramps of two and a half kilometers. That makes things a lot easier. And uh, the um, the processing is, uh, again, is a very, is a crystallizer, is, um, is a very standard processing methods that we will be using. You know? So um, from that perspective, the project is, is very low risk compared to our peers and, and projects of uh, this nature. Beautiful. Ignacio, look, um, thanks for coming on the show. Nice reminder um, that you're here and you're um, in the build phase, about to be in the build phase, um, and then hopefully in the production shortly thereafter. But so stay in touch. Let us know how you get on with the financing. I think it's uh, truly fascinating. Uh, my pleasure. That, that would be great. Thanks a lot.